joining us online tonight, wherever you're watching us from, we welcome you as a part of this service tonight as well. Praise God. Amen. You can be seated. I'd like to make a few opening remarks as I, uh, before I read where I would like to start from. One of the remarks I want to make is this. Some of you, I think, will get the gist of what I'm saying. Others of you will have no uh, reference or clue, and that's fine as well. I, to the best of my ability, to the absolute best of my ability, I am sure I have not done it perfectly, but to the best of my ability, whatever I teach or preach is what I try to hear from the Lord. Meaning, I, I do not purposefully, and I can't say that at some point in preaching or teaching, my flesh hasn't gotten in the way. I, I'm quite sure that it has. But I will tell you, it is an absolute goal of mine to only communicate about what the Holy Ghost desires to be communicated about. Meaning... It, it is not, I don't think it's the will of God that any preacher, pastor, evangelist, minister take advantage of the pulpit to address things just because. So I, I'm just, I'm telling you that is a principle I live by. Um, again, I, I am quite sure at some point my flesh has gotten in the way some and something has slipped out here and there. I think if you recall, there have been a few times I was very honest to let you know I was getting in the flesh. I did not try to hide it, pretend, I let you know. So I say that, again, I think a few of you will get the gist of what I'm talking about. And I just wanted to say, as I always do, I sought for direction from the Lord for tonight. And uh, where I have ended up is where I believe He has led me. So, if you could turn the iPad on, please. A bunch of you got your Bibles. Thought I was, I'm not done with my comments. This is sort of my title, I guess. I wish I'd have brought my Bible. I'd do it when I'm preaching now. I haven't quite gotten into doing it on Thursday nights when I'm using my iPad for all my notes. But, you know, the, the Bible is a pretty amazing book. I don't mean that disrespectfully. I, and if you, if you really take the time to pay attention to what it has to say, you would find out there are no surprises. There is nothing going on in our world that is a surprise. Nothing. We may not like it. We may be, I, I prayed the other day, I, I, I know some of you all, maybe you're there and I'm trying to get where you are. But I got to tell you, I was pulling out some things just the other day. In fact, it was one day last week, i tell you when it was, Saturday night when I, uh, if you were at call to war and saw me leave, I was going to uh, pick Brother Clark up from Dulles Airport and uh, so I, I purposefully on my way there, did not do my norm of listen to music, and I prayed. I didn't know what you guys were praying, but I prayed, 
And, and I, I just, being totally honest, I was, I was pulling out a couple things from the Bible just to say, you know, God, and, and I said it. I, I'm just, I, I, I was honest. I said, listen, God, I can't tell you this isn't just my flesh talking, but, you know, I find a couple times in Scripture where judgment was deserved and, and you gave mercy. So I'm just telling you, I, I just got to tell you, my flesh says, would you please, would you please have a little mercy on us? I know this country has gone down the tubes, but if, if Abraham got down to 10 righteous, I don't know how, I don't know what the population of Sodom was, but if he got down to 10 righteous, I, I, I think it's safe to say in the context of what Abraham was praying, there, there, there's beyond 10 righteous in this country. I don't know if he's going to listen to my prayer or not. And I'm going to keep praying it until it's proof. Now y'all can, y'all can just do what you want to do. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm being honest. I'm just being honest. My flesh. Oh Lord, please no. But. The bottom line again is there is nothing that's going on that if you really pay attention to the Bible is a surprise. I've, I've come to do what God's called me to do tonight and that is shepherd, okay? And, and you're, it's all going to be good. Don't get your guard up. I'm, I'm, I'm here to help you tonight. I'm always here to help you, but you know, that doctor gets that knife out and starts cutting. It's a little questionable if he's helping or hurting. And he's usually hurting to help you. So preaching's a lot like that. Sometimes you got to get hurt to be helped. But anyway, I'm diverting. <laughs> I, I, I've come to talk to us tonight for a little bit here, okay? I, I'm, I'm, I'm a teach, I guess, but I... And I'm, I'm going to let the Word speak to us a lot tonight. Hopefully it always does, but I know in preaching we, we, we say a lot. But, but, but I, want, I want you to hear because some of us need to get some things settled in our spirits. And I, I want you to notice the pronoun I used. I didn't say you, I said us. We, we somehow need to individually mature beyond the point where people's decisions impact our faith and confidence in the Word of God. So let, let's start here. Second Thessalonians 2. Let's see if I'm doing any better tonight with my slides for readability. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of, of the Lord of our Lord Jesus Christ and by your by our gathering together unto him that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us as that the day of Christ is at hand let no man deceive you by any means let no man deceive you by any means. Now I realize, I think, there is deeper meaning in this passage. 
with regards to the end times and Bible prophecy and all of that, but I, I just want to use it in a very practical day-to-day application here this evening. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. He said there's going to be a, a gathering. There's going to be a gathering unto him. But there's also going to be a falling away. And that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. Did you notice? A couple of thousand years ago we were told there will be a falling away. There should be no surprise. Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, told us there will be a falling away. The Living Bible says it this way, don't be carried away and deceived, regardless of what they say. For that day will not come until two things happen. First, there will be a time of great rebellion against God. And I don't think he was talking just about the world here. I think he was talking about what would take place within Christianity. Amplified says it this way, Let no one deceive or beguile you in any way, for that day will not come except the apostasy comes first unless the predicted great falling away of those who have professed to be Christians has come. There it is, right there. Wasn't talking about the rebellion of the sinner. Wasn't talking about the rebellion of the world. That day won't come until the predicted great falling away of those who have professed to be Christians has come. And the man of lawlessness, sin, is revealed, who is the son of doom, of perdition. I I know it's simple, and I know it's not exciting tonight, and it's definitely not encouraging, but somehow we need to get settled. Scripture told us there would be a falling away. Brother Gonzalez, I think it was, a couple of weeks ago said it. We, we've got to learn, and it was a different context of how he was saying it, but I think it applies in the context of what I'm saying tonight. We have a tendency to filter the word through circumstances. Or if I could say it this way tonight, we have a tendency to filter the word through people. Meaning we let people influence our belief and our confidence in the Word, when what should happen is the opposite. We filter what's going on through the Word. I don't look at the Word through people. I look at people through the Word. Whatever I look at first is going to impact my thoughts and feelings and confidence. So if I am looking at people first, I'm going to be shaken. But if I can keep my eyes on the Word first, then it doesn't matter what people do. My confidence, my foundation is going to remain. Skipping down to verse number 9. 
even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Why? Because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, what cause? They did not receive a love of the truth. For this cause, God... You, you see that? God. We just spent a week, a focused week of prayer and spiritual warfare. How many years now we heard Bishop teach us, and some of you knew it on your own, through your own study, but we've been taught and we've heard it other places about dealing with spiritual blindness. And, and, and we got to come against spiritual blindness because the unbeliever can't even see until the blindness is removed. We did some of that last week. I'm sure some of you prayed that last week. God, take away the spiritual blindness. If the devil's the one causing the spiritual blindness, then you can war against it and it's got to go. But when God is the source of the blindness or the deception, you can bind and loose all day long and it will not have one bit of impact because you can't bind and loose God. God. Somebody say God. God. You know, what, what was it? Uh, Hosea? Uh, is, that, is that the one? Is that the, the, the prophet where he talks about you, you, you put your money in bags and there was holes? And the Lord says, I. I blew on it. Sometimes if finances are scarce in your house, it just may happen to not be the devil. You might need to check what's going on because God might be just sitting there every time you gather in and it may be God blowing. God shall send them strong delusion. Why? That they should believe a lie. That they all might be damned who believe not the truth. Not who believe not a truth. The truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. They did not believe the truth and live the truth. Rather, they had pleasure in doing what was contrary to the word of God. And so God gives them strong delusion. Romans chapter 1 talks about you reach the point where God says basically and this is a paraphrase but God says you want it your way so be it not going to try to convict you anymore not going to try to 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 convince you anymore to change your ways I'm going to let you do whatever you want to do God sends them strong delusion. I, I, I go back, please. Those of you that are putting some pieces together, what I'm talking about, I, I'm not here tonight re reacting or responding to any one thing. By, by the grace of God, I'm simply sharing what God gave me for tonight. Did you ever, you ever sit and look at somebody and go, how in the world? Did you come to that? Man, the devil sure got you blinded. 
No. It could be that they didn't love truth. We, we, we Sunday afternoon, went out with Brother, Brother Clark. Timothy was with me and sitting there at the table. He started talking about, I've got a grandmother here who's a part of that generation. Started talking about the price that some have paid for truth. And I sit here, stand here tonight, and most of you that are my age and younger sit here tonight having paid a very small price. Well, the Clark, I don't, he may, maybe at some point in his preaching here, he'll tell it. He was going, he was in pre-law. He was at school for pre-law on his way to become a lawyer when he got saved. When he got home, told his mother what happened, she gave him 30 minutes to give everything together he could and get out of the house and told him, I don't ever want to see you again. The end of the story is he's baptized all of his siblings or his all of his siblings have been baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost and his mother and father have now been. But it didn't start that way. See, you and I sit here tonight, you young people sit here tonight, no clue. We want to throw this apostolic doctrine out the window, not understanding somebody paid an, um, an incredible price. People that were like Brother Clark, disowned by family, told to get out of the house and I don't ever want to see you. There's some folks here that you're not Pentecostal pioneers, but there's some of you here that have experienced that. There's some in this church. Especially because of the denomination you were raised that your parents said, if that's what you're doing, get out. didn't come cheap. It was a great pride. You, you think this apostolic doctrine is just some wacko thing somebody's come up with just for fun? There are some people that have suffered greatly for you and I to sit here tonight and experience what we experience so freely. I sat there. I'm a little bit off track. I, I, I've I came tonight with the intention of not keeping you very long. You know how that goes. Sat there as, as Brother Clark was talking about how suffering is an integral part of your development and your walk with God. The problem with that is, I think that is a fundamental principle. The problem is for those of us, we got to figure out a way to suffer, Brother Middleton. <laughs> the only thing I can come up with is the principle of let the rock fall on you and break you or you fall on the rock and be broken. So God, my parents haven't disowned me. I haven't had to, I, 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 you know, I, I go back to those early years of marriage and we never did without. I, I ne my wife and I never went hungry. First three years, the reason we never went hungry, I was living in an apartment in their house and we ate dinner with them almost every day. So that's real great on the ego as the male provider. 
But the bottom line is I didn't have to do what my parents did and eat banana sandwiches and drink sweet tea. And I am on my dad's bandwagon and I do like banana sandwiches with mayonnaise and sugar. Yes. I didn't have to suffer that way. I, it, things were tight. We spent years where things were tight. I took a Greyhound bus. My brother went with me. I'd been married. We actually, I think by that time, actually I hadn't. I'd been married a couple of years. I took a Greyhound bus. I think it took us about, my brother and I, about 25 hours to get down to Alabama. My grandmother had bought an 87 Ford pickup truck at an auction or somewhere, and she sold it to me for peanuts. I drove, we drove all the way down there in that bus and, and uh, rode all the way back with one turn the dial radio, no cassette, no, not even cassette, forget CD and all that other stuff, wasn't even cassette. I know, I, I'm getting in the flesh for a second. Hear ye, hear ye. I know some of, no, I'm not, never mind. I'm not, I'm not going, I won't do that. That is too much flesh. Rain it back in. So I, 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 I haven't suffered the way my parents and other pioneers and Part of the problem for people like me is most of our suffering is done in private that nobody knows. And so everybody kind of looks down their nose at you because they have no idea what your suffering is, but you still have suffered. Sometimes I'm like, God, would you please let's have some public suffering here. <laughs> I was kind of, you know, I, I, was, I didn't like being sick this year, but I was... I was kind of okay with it. Thank God, finally something. Everybody knows. Somebody, somebody paid a price for what we get so freely and easily. It's a hard thing. I don't think it just comes by default, young people, young adults. I don't think it just comes by default to have a love for truth. The problem is we grow up in this and we experience it, but we don't know a lot of the foundation behind it and we get caught up in the emotion and the spirit. And so when it gets challenged and the spirit's not moving, we get caught up in temptation and sell out. We lose a love or we don't even ever get a love. He said, those that do not receive a love for the truth, God, 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 God would send strong delusion. Wearsby's expository outline says with regards to this falling away, the word apostasy means a falling away. Here it refers to a falling away from the truth of the word of God. Did you, did you hear what he's saying? Just the simple belief in the truth of the Word of God. Forget all of the finer points of it. Just the fundamental belief 
of the Word of God. While there were certainly false teachers in Paul's day, the church at large was united on the truths of the Word of God. If you met another Christian, you knew he believed in the Word of God. Do, do you not know that you can meet Christians, Christians today, that do not believe the Bible is the absolute infallible Word of God? Hello, some of you might be blessed to still be naive and not know that. I'm telling you for a fact. In fact, there are people that used to be apostolics that now don't believe that the Bible is the infallible Word of God. Absolute truth. If you, then, if you met another Christian, you knew he believed in the Word of God, the deity of Christ, and the salvation by faith in Christ. This is certainly not true today. We live in a day of Christian unbelief. People say they are Christians, yet deny the deity of Christ, the inspiration of the Bible, and so on. 1 Timothy 4 and 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devil. Do, do, do you hear that? He said they would depart from the faith. Not talking about sinners here. Hello. Not talking about people that have never known God. He's talking about those who knew God. They depart from the faith. Not a faith. Not some faith. The faith. Giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Speaking lies and hypocrisy. Having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Let me paraphrase it. Having their conscience turned off. Government can pass all the laws they want to pass. But if it violates a moral law that God has established, you can follow man's law, but you still deal with the guilt and shame of violating the moral law. Hello? That's why all those that buy into the agenda of our world today need help. They're turning to things for help. Drugs and alcohol and things that will try to somehow turn off their conscience. But God says, Paul said, you reach the point where God would sear the conscience with a hot iron. Meaning... You do what you used to do and it bothered you and now you do it and feel no remorse or regret. I beg you tonight, don't let someone that is in this condition, or let me put it this way, that might be in this condition, impact your confidence and faith in the Word of God. Let somebody's newfound ideas and revelations 
some that are claimed to be scriptural revelations. You say, Brother Wright, you shouldn't be judging if people have their conscience seared. You're right, and I'm not judging, but I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play it on the safe side. I'm not going to walk around trying to determine, is your conscience seared or not? Forget it. <laughs> That's between you and God, whether it's seared. The bottom line is, I can make sure I protect myself. That whether your conscience is seared or not, if you're heading a direction that's contrary to the Word of God, I'm not letting you affect my confidence in the Word of God. Look, look at what, let me, let me switch. I don't know how well this will show up, and I'm doing it for my benefit, not yours anyway, so... Romans 3 and 3 in the Amplified says this, What if some did not believe and were without faith? Does their lack of faith and their faithlessness nullify and make ineffective and avoid and void the faithfulness of God and His fidelity to His Word? By no means. Let God be found true. Through every, though every human being is false and a liar, as it is written, that you may be justified and shown to be upright in what you say and prevail when you are judged by sinful men. I, I, I want to read to you. I, I'm going to read. I'll just give you a heads up if you happen to turn there and you want to find out how many verses it's got. I'm going to read to you the whole chapter of 2 Peter chapter 2. Verse number 1 says this, There were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you. Hello? Hello? Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out devils in your name. We did all kind of great works in your name. That's a pretty cool resume. I, they didn't just say, Lord, we came to church. We worshiped. We danced. We spoke in tongues. I, they said, we, we cast out devils in your... There's people sitting here tonight. You've never casted a devil out. And you're saved. I thought I'd get a few more amens than that. Unless most of you casted devils out and I didn't know it. We've done, we've done all kind of great things in your name. We have prophesied in your name. And he responds to them and says, depart from me. I never in e v E-R. Not I knew you and don't know you now. I never knew you, you worker of iniquity, lawlessness. Hello? Oh, Lord. Some of you don't need to be at the bookstore. You don't need to be on TV or the Internet because you don't have the ability to listen to good preaching, good teaching, and decipher the fact that this might be somebody that's doing something in his name that he may actually not even know. I haven't used this in a while, but for <laughs> Moses walks in there before Pharaoh. 
I just, I think Moses came in there with some confidence. I think Moses came in there before Pharaoh with a little bit of hop in his step. He knew what he had. And he throws down his rod. And I I know we don't know, but forgive me for using my imagination. I just kind of see Moses throwing down that rod and just kind of. And next thing you know, Pharaoh's like, okay, so am I supposed to be impressed? Hey, fellas, come here. Pharaoh's magicians come over, throw down their rods, and they become serpents. I want you to notice what did not happen. Moses did not go, hey, fellas. We did the same thing. We ought to join up forces and go reach the world together. Because while the miracle may have looked the same, the source of what produced the miracle was not the same. I know I had no intent of getting on this, but here we go again tonight. Rachel or Rebecca, I'm sorry. I know I should know this at 45. Can y'all, but y'all can't believe I'm 45, can you? You can't. I can't. Please tell me you can't. Thank you, Sister Laurie. I know all of you older than me have been there, done that. I understand you've been where I am, but I just got to tell you, my brain is baffled the last 24 hours. 40. That means I am now closer to 50 than I am 40. I told my wife today that the the zeros haven't bothered me all that much. 30 and 40 didn't mess with me too much. What messed with me was the fives. Because when I hit the five, Brother Jetty, I'm now closer to the end than I am the beginning. There is no way in this world that I, David Stephen Wright, am five years away from 50 years old. That is impossible. Please, tell me it gets better. Well, I got one of you. The rest of you are like, no hope. I forgot what. Oh, so I know I ought to know this. Rachel or Rebecca was Jacob's mother. Help. Rachel. Rachel. Some of y'all are as uncertain as I am. Rachel, Rebecca, I got both. Jacob's mother, Jacob, Rebecca, Rebecca. It was an R, I know that. Jacob's mother, all of y'all, some of y'all are like trying to be all smooth like you know it, peeking down, checking it out. His mother says, Jacob, your dad's about to give away the blessing. You need to go in and you need to get it before Esau does. I can't do that, Mom. My brother's hairy. My dad will know that it's not Esau. So she schemes up with him, puts animal skins on his arms. He goes in and Isaac reaches out and says, the voice, the voice is Jacob, but it feels, it feels like Esau. 
And he went on feeling rather than the voice. Is it any coincidence that Jesus said, my sheep know my voice? He did not say my sheep know my feeling. He said my sheep know my voice. The, the enemy is a great imitator of feeling, but he is not a great imitator of the voice. You and I have got to learn to know the voice. Because then no matter what feeling says, the voice, if I can know the voice and trust the voice, the voice is what is right. I know it all played into God's plan and purpose, but Isaac made a mistake because of feeling and not trusting the voice. And that's why people can go to a church that worships the same way we worship. In fact, some that out-worship us. Excuse me, I'm sorry, that's not the proper word. Let me correct myself. They can go to a church that praises the same way that we praise. Because you can praise God with an unsubmitted spirit. You can praise God with a will that is not yielded to God's will. You can praise God and live like the devil all week long. But you can't be a worshiper without bringing your whole being into submission to God's will and God's word and God's plan and the father is not looking for praisers but the father is looking for those that are worshipers and will worship in spirit and in truth every sign that's posted in front of any church that says contemporary praise no problem have at it but don't go posting contemporary worship just because you get yourself a guitar or a keyboard and start singing an upbeat song doesn't make it contemporary worship you got to get word as well because without word and the spirit together working you may have praise but you don't have worship hallelujah were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring unto themselves swift destruction. How about, how about Timothy? 2 Timothy 3 or 1 Timothy 3? 2nd, I think. Perilous times will come. He says, be careful of those that sneak into houses and lead silly women captive. If there's, oh, help me, Jesus. If there's ever been a day where men of God can creep into houses and lead silly women captive, it's today. I'll leave it at that. And many, and many, hello, many, many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be even shall be evil spoken of. Oh God. Not just neutral to truth. They will become critical of truth. 
and through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not and their damnation slumbereth not. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an ensample unto those that after should live ungodly. We, we, we have a problem today, folks. We've got some examples that they didn't have. We can criticize all those in Noah's day we want to, but they didn't have an ark to look at with a preacher saying, God's going to destroy this earth. You and I now can look at the Word, and we've got some examples where God has said and done some things. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an ensample unto those that after should live ungodly. And delivered just Lot, vexed with, filth, with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that, for that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. God forbid that we ever reach the point that our souls are not vexed with the unrighteousness in our world. God forbid that we ever reach the point that as Christians we become comfortable with what's going on in our world. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished but chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government. Presumptuous are they, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord, but these, as natural brute beasts, made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of the things that they understand not, and shall utterly perish in their own corruption, and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they that count it pleasure to riot in the daytime. Spots they are and blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they, while they feast with you, having eyes full of adultery, and that cannot cease from sin. Beguiling unstable souls. Beguiling unstable souls. Beguiling unstable souls. A heart they have exercised with covetous practices. Cursed children. Which have forsaken the right way. And are gone astray. Following the way of Balaam, the son of Bozor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but was rebuked for his iniquity, the dumb, burden-bearing animal speaking with man's voice, forbade the madness of the prophet. Pause for a moment while a few of you catch up. These are wells without water, 
clouds that are carried with a tempest, to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lusts of the flesh. You know what? It, it's, it amazes me how easily people are deceived when it comes to God and His Word. And Because if we have ever lived in a day where we could understand this, today is the day. Because we are living in a day and time where we want something of value for the cheapest price possible. Anybody here had the experience... Whether it's something of technology or whatever, tools. I mean, you, you can go get you a set of tools at the dollar store for a dollar each. Brother Welly, how many tools in your shed down there from the dollar store? Zero. Why? Because you get what you pay for. You want a cheap salvation you get what you pay for you want an imitation salvation you get what you pay for do i need to retell my gucci watch and rolex watch stories has somebody not heard them yet you haven't heard my oh my word brother bond 14 or 15 years old and gucci watches were the thing And I went to Korea and Hong Kong with my parents, and guess what I got for 10 bucks? Got me a Gucci watch, blue with the red stripe. Anybody remember that? Anybody? Oh, y'all too young. Couple of you. And my filas. Yes. White with the blue around the front and back. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. I got to sport it for just about a week or two, I think, until I looked down and realized I looked at that a while ago and that's what the time was. And now I'm looking again and that's the same time because I got an imitation and it may have looked real, but there's a reason why you pay hundreds and thousands of dollars for a real and not a fake. It would have... I, I, you think I'd outgrow this, wouldn't you? You think I'd outgrow you, outgrow this. But what? How do you say, Breitling, Bretling, Breitling? And I don't have enough money to buy them. So, Breitling, Bretling. Anybody know Breitling, Breitling? Three or four years ago, actually maybe a little longer now, four or five years ago, Angie and I were in Malaysia preaching at a conference, and and they took us to Chinatown. I never heard this before. And this really got my attention. Do you want, do you want the good knockoffs or the cheap ones? I'm like, well, you know, if I'm going to spend some money, I'd like to get one that lasts a little bit longer. And I did. I got me those Gucci's and Rolexes I bought in the past were 10 to 15 bucks. I am, I'm really embarrassed to tell you I spent about 70 on the Breitling knockoff only to get home in just a matter of a couple of weeks to go to change the time and the stem pops right out 
So I went to the watch store and took it there only to find out to get it fixed would have cost me way more than what I paid from the beginning. This will be some folks. I'm not, I'm not trying to be judgmental, critical tonight. I'm, I'm here to try to help you. I'm, I can't help what they out there take what I'm doing tonight to try to help you. There's going to be some folks standing there one day before judgment going. You mean it's not real? You mean it's a fake? Yeah. And there's only one response to the fake. Depart from me. I never knew you. Well, that's not fair. How is it not fair when he gives you everything you need to know in advance? How can a good God send people to heaven? Uh, hell, he doesn't send people to hell. They disregard the instructions and go there. Oh, hallelujah. Where am I? While they promised them, did I read 18 yet? For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness. Those that were clean escape from them who live in error. I, I, Brother Nichols, I, I don't know if he told the story here preaching or I've heard him tell it a couple of times in conversations, big church in the, in the area where he pastors, mega church in the area where he pastors, and a guy that he knows is a parent of where his kids go to school in conversation with him. What, you know, what is it about that church that you like? Well, I know that I can get there and I'm going to be out of there in an hour. I'll be done with church and I can do whatever else I want to do for the rest of the weekend. The through the lust of the flesh. They allure through the lust of the flesh. Through much wantonness, those that were clean escaped from them who live in error. While they promised them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought in bondage. For if after, here we go, a couple of verses left. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome the latter end. And overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. I, I, I've never done drugs, never taken drugs, never, never drank alcohol. Some of you know this, some of you don't. I, I lived for about 20 plus years, literally 20 plus years on, started off with uh, Dristan, 24 hour nasal spray, and then the last number of years on Vicks. I was to the point I'd use it two or three times a day, three, four, five squirts each side of my nostril to get breathing, to breathe. Finally, a couple years ago, I had surgery and uh, it, it, Changed my life. I'm not perfect, but it changed it. And just just a couple of days ago, I was struggling a little bit with something going on in my sinuses. My wife said, "You can't you get some of that just for a day or two? I said, mm, I don't know what it's like to relapse with heroin, cocaine, and alcohol and all that, but I got a little feeling. If I got a taste of what it was like to breathe again totally free, 
it'd probably be all over with. The latter end is worse than the beginning. Now, now listen. I want you to. I want you to listen to what Peter says. It had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto... Did you hear what? It would have been better for them to have never been baptized in His name and filled with His Spirit than for that to have happened and now turn away. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb. The dog is turned to his own vomit again and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. I'm, I'm going to wind it up here in just a couple minutes, but I want you to get the flavor in a couple of other translations as I wind down. Verse 17 in the Amplified, These are springs without water and mist driven along before a tempest for whom is reserved for, forever the gloom of darkness. For uttering loud boasts of folly, they beguile and lure with lustful desires of the flesh those who are barely escaping from them who are wrongdoers. They promise them liberty when they themselves are the slaves of depravity and defilement. For by whatever anyone is made inferior or worse or is overcome, to that person or thing he is enslaved. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the full personal knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they again become entangled in them and are overcome, their last condition is worse for them than the first. For never to have obtained a full personal knowledge of the way of righteousness would have been better for them than having obtained such knowledge to turn back from the holy commandment which was verbally delivered to them. There has befallen them the thing spoken in the true proverb, the dog turns back to his own vomit and the sow is washed only to wallow again in the mire. The Message Bible says it this way, there's nothing to these people. They're dried up fountains, storm scattered clouds headed for a black hole in hell. They are loud mouths, full of hot air, but still they're dangerous. Men and women who have recently escaped from a deviant life are most susceptible to their brand of seduction. They promise these newcomers freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For if they're addicted to corruption, and they are, they're enslaved. If they've escaped from the slum of sin by experiencing our Master and Savior Jesus Christ and then slid back into that same old life again, they're worse than if they had never left. Better not to have started out on the straight road to God than to start out and then turn back, repudiating the experience and the holy command. They prove the point of the Proverbs. A dog goes back to sit down or back to its own vomit and a scrubbed up pig heads for the mud. One more, the living Bible. These men are as useless as dried up springs of water promising much and delivering nothing. 
They are as unstable as clouds driven by the storm winds. They are doomed to the eternal pits of darkness. They proudly boast about their sins and conquests. And using lust as their bait, they lure back into sin those who have just escaped from such wicked living. You aren't saved by being good, they say, so you might as well be bad. You aren't saved by being good, so you might as well be bad. Do what you like. Be free. I, I got to tell you, you may, you may know, but I do not in my 40 plus years of living. We'll say that for a while while I ease into this new place. <laughs> I have never known anybody's life to be messed up and damaged by trying to live it by the principles of the Word of God. But i got to tell you, I've seen person after person after person whose lives are an absolute wreck and chaos because they have disregarded the Word of God. I'm going to say what I've said numerous times in my ministry. If I get to the end of it all and I find out that you and I were duped into all of this, and I get to the end and I find out half of it wasn't necessary, I have lost nothing. If I get to the end and I find out we didn't have to dress the way we preach we had to dress, we didn't have to live the way we preach we had to live, and we didn't have to do or not do the things we preach, if I get to the end and find out most of it wasn't necessary, I have lost nothing. I've got a wonderful, phenomenal wife. I've got four great kids. I've got a life of a bunch of friends and great family. I'm not addicted to anything. I'm not blowing my paycheck on anything. I've lost nothing. But if you choose to believe that it's not necessary, and you get to the end and find out you were wrong, you have now lost everything. Some of you won't go to Atlantic City or Vegas and throw your money or, I'm sorry, we don't have to do that anymore, do we? Some of you won't go to Arundel Mills or Baltimore or over by Virginia border now and put your money in a slot machine, but you'll gamble your salvation. You'd be better off gambling your money away than messing with your salvation. Because you let people determine for you what truth is and what's not. And I've only given you a few verses tonight where Scripture clearly tells us in advance we'd be dealing with exactly what we're dealing with today. I'm not, I'm not mad at anybody. I'm, I kind of doubt 
That shepherd, when the wolf shows up, has kind of got his staff out, tapping. Don't mess with the sheep. Leave them alone. Not angry at you, I am angry at the wolves. These very teachers who offer this freedom from law are themselves slaves to sin and destruction. For a man is a slave to whatever controls him. A man is a slave to whatever controls him. Even if it's just the almighty dollar, the man is a slave to whatever controls him. And when a person has escaped from the wicked ways of the world by learning about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and then gets tangled up with sin and becomes its slave again, he is worse off than he was before. It would be better if he had never known about Christ at all than to learn of Him and then afterwards turn his back on the holy commandments that were given to him. There is an old saying that a dog comes back to what he has vomited and a pig is washed only to come back and wallow in the mud again. That is the way it is with those who turn again to their sin. Barnes notes, two slides and I'm done. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. This is usually the case. Apostates become worse than they were before their professed conversion. Reformed drunkards, if they go back to their cups again, become more abandoned than ever. Thus it is with those who have been addicted to any habits of vice and who profess to become religious and then fall away. The reasons for this may be, one, they are, that they are willing now to show to others that they are no longer under the restraints by which they had professedly bound themselves. I'm free. No, you have just selected a new bondage, that's all. Number two, that God gives them up to indulgence with fewer restraints than formerly. <laughs> oh, God. Number three, their old companions in sin may be at special pains to court their society and to lead them into temptation in order to obtain a triumph over virtue and religion. There's an old, I guess you'd say, southern gospel song. goes something like this. You said I'd never make it. You said I would not last. And I forget the rest of the way it goes, but the gist of it is I made it. And there are those, and unfortunately, unfortunately, it's not just sinners that have had no God consciousness that are waiting to watch you fall. It is those who have once had a knowledge of truth and once believed the Word of God, that are looking and waiting and finding pleasure in your falling. i got to tell you, I don't want my life to become somebody's evidence against God. And it's a sad thing when those that have known 
the truthfulness of the Word of God become the excuse for others. I will say it again as I close. There are no surprises. There's nothing going on. There's nothing we're facing or that we will face that the Word of God hasn't pretty clearly told us in advance. This is coming. This is what is coming. I borrow that Bible since I don't have mine. God help us that we as believers have a faith and confidence in the Word of God that no matter who falls away, whether it's just the average saint that sits on the pew, or if it's senior leadership, that no matter who falls away, the validity of this is not determined by anybody. It stands alone. My faith or lack of faith does nothing to invalidate this book. Does the unbelief of some make the faith of God to none effect? No. Would you stand, please, as we close just right where you are for just a moment? Would you join me in asking the Lord to help us tonight? If nothing else, if nothing else, would you just join me as we close and pray what is to me the solution to all of this, and that is simply, God, give me a love for truth. Give me a love for truth. Because if I can receive a love for truth and hang on to a love for truth, I don't have to worry about being deceived. And if I struggle some, if I stumble some, God in His grace and mercy is going to bring me through it. But if I don't receive a love for His truth, God in His judgment is going to send me a strong delusion. Father, I pray that you would help us tonight. I pray that you would help every individual that calls this church their home. No matter what congregation they're in, no matter where they go on Sunday morning. But every person tonight, I pray, God, as that you would help us. God, that when these things that your word told us in advance were going to happen, take place around us that our faith would not be shaken, that we would not waver in our confidence in You and our confidence in Your Word, but we would understand, God, that You were kind enough to tell us way in advance of what we would see, of what we would deal with, of what we would face today. I pray, God, that You would give us a love for the truth. Lord, there's so many of us here tonight that have not had to pay a high price for this wonderful, precious truth. There's so many of us, God, that it was passed on to us 
without any kind of a cost, and we have reaped the benefits of so great a salvation. And I pray that you would help every one of us, God, whether we paid a price of great significance or not, that we would receive a great love for your word, for truth. I pray, God, that you would help every one of us tonight, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus, God, I pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear, that you would give us the spiritual discernment that we need, God, to not be deceived, to not be misled. In the name of Jesus Christ, give us the grace, God, not to measure your word by people, not to measure the truthfulness of your word by what the majority says or does, but to hold fast, hold firm to your word. In the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I pray God tonight for those, Lord, that are blinded. God, those that even you are the source of their blindness, that somehow, God, there would be mercy and grace. That somehow, God, by the working and the moving of your Spirit, you would be able to bring them to a point that the very deception, God, that you sent, you could remove so that they could find restoration. That like the prodigal, awakening in that pig pen and realizing the Father's house was so much better that they would awaken God in the circumstances that they are in and realize that there's a Father's house, that there's a place to return to to find restoration and renewal, grace and mercy. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, by the power of Your Spirit, God, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, praise God. Praise God. Amen. God bless you. Pray that the remainder of your week is blessed in Jesus' name.